I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A mole at bbc.co.uk. You've been so kind and so generous and so forthcoming with your text this morning, and I'm going to try and get through lots of them. So your today's to-dos after 8 o'clock. It is something. Uh, thanks very much to Duncan for uh, sending me that. Uh, well done, Amal. It's the biggest radio show in Europe. And you are a worthy host. Get your feet off the desk. It's the BBC. Sorry. Anyway, it's lovely to be here finally. It's been a bit of a struggle this morning, but I've got a new strand. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Professor Christine Nichol. Christine Nickel, she talks to the animals, or rather gets the animals to talk to her. Yes, friends, I give you Professor Christine Nickel. Uh, she is Professor of Animal Welfare at the Royal Veterinary College at the University of London. And she very kindly uh, gave me her time earlier this week to talk about all the extraordinary things you might not have known about animals. And here she is. The first question uh, I want to ask you is, is about animal preferences. So you were saying that animals kind of calculate the kind of uh, cost versus the reward. So I, I suppose it's a question of like, how much does a cat not mind how uncomfortable your laptop keyboard is, knowing <laughs> that it's worth it since they're being massively inconveniencing to you? Yeah, of course, animals are always making decisions about what matters to them and trade-offs and things like that. I suppose the interesting advance comes when we try to look at what animals want using some of the same techniques that economists use when they're studying people. And I think that's been quite fun. So economists will look at what people buy and what they decide to buy, what they decide not to spend their money on. And given that most people are on a fairly fixed income, if you buy something, you can't get the other thing. Right. So so economists define people's luxuries and necessities in quite interesting ways. So things that would be necessities for people would be things like petrol or diesel or cigarettes or alcohol. And these are not necessarily the things that we would, if we were asked, that we would say were necessities, but they're things that show up when the price goes up, we continue to buy them and ah. we'll give up other things in order to continue to buy them. So they may not be the things that are the best for our health, um, but there's something about them that really matters to us. Right, because so, of course I immediately yeah. thought of things like rice or yes. whatever but you're saying actually in our heads well, what we really consider to be necessities are not 
the things that intellectually we might value. Yeah, exactly. And so it's putting those two things together is really interesting. So, um, of course, there may come a point, and I suppose the pandemic almost um, has demonstrated it, where we reevaluate and go, actually, rice is really important. So let's Toilet paper, the, the famous was <laughs> toilet the... Paper, yeah, yeah. Toilet paper, rice, pasta, yeah. and soy sauce. I still can't buy soy sauce no. in my local supermarket. <laughs> it's just vanished completely. So soy sauce must be a huge necessity for people because they're you know, protecting their purchasing of soy sauce against everything else. But with animals, it becomes really interesting because then we can feed that information into what we know. So a vet may look at an animal and say, okay, it's relatively healthy, its stress levels are like this. But what do we know about what the animal itself really prefers? And so a bit like an economist can look at how much money we're spending and whether we continue to buy these things, we can do the same with animals. So I'll give you a chicken example. Mm -hmm. So with chickens, they don't spend money but they have a certain limited time and energy budget. So we can look at how they partition up their time and energy. And we can say, for example, how much weight are you willing to push to get through a push door to get this particular thing or that particular thing? We can trade these things off against each other exactly as if the chickens were spending money and work out what their priorities are. And was it Um, fags and booze? (laughs) Well, there's also the question of what's available and what we give them as a choice. So we still take yeah. this sort of paternalistic or maternalistic sort of <laughs> approach. And um, we don't actually give them access to alcohol. No. Or oh, no, come on. Or yeah, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, but when we give them a range of things that where there's debates going on, you know, how, how do we house however many million chickens there are in this country, mm. you know, even a small change, like, well, we need to give them a bit more room or we're going to give them some better nests or perhaps a different sort of perch. Well, we really need to, if these things are quite difficult to provide in some way on a massive scale, yeah. we need to make sure that what we're providing is actually something that matters for the chicken. So things like somewhere to go and perch at night Um, show up as surprisingly important using these sort of push door methods and how much energy is the chicken willing to invest so it's willing to invest a lot to get to an enclosed nest site to get to an elevated perching area at night Um, so we can sort of draw up a priority list really which is not based on our assumptions but on what the chickens themselves tell us this is what I love about the work that you do is it's it, it's never this kind of um, anthropomorphic, uh, you know, well, I, I feel like they'd like this. It's all you always have this kind of empirical evidence as to, you know, what is the best thing for the animal and, and working out how to do that. I find fascinating. Yeah. So they're like a nighttime perch, which sort of makes sense when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, but now I'm going to put a question to you. Okay. So what do you, so what do you think a nighttime perch might look like for a chicken? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, a stick up okay, a bit. So <laughs> a stick up a bit. So that's really interesting. A stick up a bit. You've just encapsulated a big debate that's been going on in Europe. Really? So when you look at yeah, when you look at a dictionary definition of what a perch is, in some languages it's a stick or a rod. Mm-hmm. And in other languages 
it's um, an elevated position from which you can survey the rest of the world. Oh, okay. Oh, actually, those two things are really confounded. So, again, what does the chicken actually want? Does it want to wrap its feet around something yeah. like a rod or does it want to go up? And of those two things, which is the most important? And so, again, we go back to the idea of, I don't know. I've no idea what a chicken would like. But I can yeah. separate those things out, or some of my colleagues can. Yeah. Um, so let's see what happens. What if we gave them a flat area that was elevated, yeah. or a slightly lower area that had a stick that they could grasp their feet round? and sort of trade things off in that way yeah. and they choose the elevated areas they're actually not particularly bothered about wrapping their feet round a stick wow so we can almost forget the stick and go for the elevation <laughs> right and this is obviously to kind of avoid any nighttime predators and yeah all of that i think they feel safer they they, yeah. they generally feel safer and less fearful if they're yeah. if they're up at night but again it's not absolutely predictable and so i think all of this comes from a sort of early inspiration from dr doolittle really i can't <laughs> talk to the animals but i can try as hard as i can to get them to tell me something so i think Easy. that's where my motivation comes from did you did you read the dr doolittle books as a child yes my cousins really? had the whole set yes <laughs> and you read them and do you yes. really think that's your sort of direct causal Impetus. I think it fed, I think it fed into something that was in me anyway. I mean, yeah. I think I'd always been very empathically interested in animals and watching them. But I think there was something about the song, you know, if if I could talk with the animals, that really resonated. And I thought I'd love to do that. I'd Amazing. love to be able to talk to an animal. And then gradually, you know, realised that it wasn't going to be possible exactly. But but I'd get as close to it as I could. So yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. And so, I mean, having this knowledge and this data, mm. you know, what things have you been able to, uh, you know, have you been able to affect any changes in the industry that have helped the chickens? Oh, well, it's still on. Yeah, it's still ongoing. So yeah. I took part in a sort of European report that was looking at um, what sort of perches and perching provisions should be provided in European legislation, for example. So um, there's a rather lengthy and weighty report out there all about perching for chickens. And it does feed its way through. So it feeds its way through into standards. So when people buy food that's got a label on it, like an RSPCA assured label, the standards that um, are being adopted will make use of this sort of research. So it will advocate things like um, how, how much raised area there should be and how the birds should access it. And another quite interesting thing that we've got wrong about chickens is the idea that they like to fly around and hop from perch to perch. They really don't. We're increasingly advocating that we give them almost like disabled access ramps. A trump, a trump ramp. Is, is, is that what you need? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, make it easier for them. They, they're quite heavy birds, a lot of these, mm. and in quite a crowded environment. And they find it much easier to sort of calmly walk up um, mm. rather than flying backwards and forwards. And is so, part of that to yeah. do with the changing physiognomy of, of chickens? You, you know, I know that the way they grow now, the way they're reared is, is so intensive that they, 
is that right that they can't always necessarily even support the kind of frame that's growing on them? Hmm. Well, that's that's a really interesting question because there's two very different types of chickens. There's, there's the ones that get eaten for meat and they grow very fast, um, but they're usually sent off as meat when they're only a couple of weeks, well, five, six weeks of age. Right. So they, they generally are reared in sort of big litter floor areas. And it's the laying hens that uh, have more, they're kept for a year or more, they're, they're the ones that are laying the eggs. They're very, very different birds. They're almost like two completely different species. I mean, they're not different species, but they're mm. so different in how they look, mm. how they move. But the egg-laying birds are the ones where we're thinking a lot about what sort of nighttime perching they should have and how they should move around the house. Mm. Because there's been such a move to get these birds out of cages, which is great. Mm. But then there's still a lot of birds in a very big house with three dimensions. And it's almost like, how do you organize a, a large cage-free system yeah. for the birds without the birds injuring themselves or crashing into each other or and every bird being able to get to the resources it needs to get to. So in those sorts of systems, it does generally seem better to provide them with the ramps to get where they need to go rather yeah. than just letting them hop and fly around. Professor Christine Nickel, she talks to the animals or rather gets the animals to talk to her. There she goes, a Professor Christine Nickel. <laughs> I hope she likes the music, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, Professor of Animal Welfare at the Royal Veterinary College at the University of London. Well, hello there. This is Brinsley Dear Love with a somewhat hastily convened... That's lovely. Bringing you lovely things since 1977... And we've had so many that I thought perhaps uh, I ought to share a That's Lovely with you now, even though I I don't have an awful lot of time. This is from Neil, who says, Good morning, Bummington Dog Love. It's Brinsley Dear Love. It's not Bummington. I have been a long-time fan of the show, and I've been sending in my lovely photos since 1983. I'm not sure if you remember, but I sent you a photo back then of me taking my wife up the aisle. I would like to know what you think of my current photos. I captured them on my Instamatic camera while out for a walk with my neighbour, Pam. We saw a variety of wildlife before returning to Pam's house, in which she served a delightful cold meat luncheon while I played with her pussy cat. Thanks to you for reading my missive. Well, Neil, it's always lovely to see something lovely a cock a lovely cockerel strutting proudly uh, through the garden and uh, ever vigilant and how appropriate off the back of whatever the last program was that was on this station that I don't listen to I just come in and do my bits and now what that's a beaver a beaver sitting up looking expectant wanting something I think <laughs> and there's a kitten there's a cheeky scamp um Rather cheekily, showing his bottom. Uh, but we forgive him. He's only little. Looks like a he. And... F- oh, man! <laughs> that is not lovely. That's... Seven hot dogs? Why are we... And then... And then the eighth. The eighth in there. What on earth would you do that for? That would 
taste awful. They're very specific flavours and you wouldn't combine them. That's not lovely. That's really not lovely. I think the eighth one could have gone in a bit further. Right, that's it from me, Brinsley, dear love. Really not... Is that what you do on a Sunday, is it? Unbelievable. Uh, it's not today at swanburst.com if you'd like to send me Brinsley Dealer. <laughs> oh, man! Something lovely, and that is not lovely. It better be vegan. Um, now... I'm not going to lie to you. I'm kind of running out of time. Uh, I'm going to suspend a lot of our uh, features for today. Um, but we will be back tomorrow. Uh, there's more stuff to roll out this week, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, I do hope you'll join me for more tomorrow. Lots of love. Goodbye. This has been a Swanburst Media production. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.